T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. All right, welcome back. Fade to Black. I am your host, Jimmy Church. Tonight, the one and only Grant Cameron joins us. Tomorrow night, Debbie Cobble is here. She was the subject of Bud Hopkins' book, Intruders. That's tomorrow night. Thursday night, it's Ross Colthart, live from Australia. But tonight, it's all about Grant. That's right. We're going we're gonna to do what Grant and I always do. We're going to talk about all of the latest news in our UFO community. Including, and I haven't heard from Grant yet about this, the UAP Task Force report and his take on the recent leaked videos that have circulated throughout mainstream media, all that and much more. Grant has been a researcher since 1975, Charlie Red Star, and was recognized as both the Leeds Conference International Researcher of the Year and the UFO Congress Researcher of the Year. He is a world-renowned expert on UFOs, conspiracies, government cover-ups, and has spent decades watching and chronicling developments around the extraterrestrial contact subject. He is the author of Charlie Red Star. His website is right there over at jimmychurchradio.com, and I would like to welcome back to Fade to Black, Grant Cameron. Grant, how you doing, man? Jimmy Church, thanks for having me, and thanks for your interest always in what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, you know, Grant, I have, you know, what's what's strange with with everything that has been going down lately. You and I haven't had a chance to talk, which is which is kind of strange. It's uh, it's been a pretty uh, pretty fun ride over the last few months since you were last on with us, and and I've I've got to get an update in in the world of uh, Grant Cameron, and uh, also I do want to mention. Uh, we finally, I think Grant and I are going to be hanging out at a couple of conferences uh, that are coming up. Hopefully, Canada will let Grant come and visit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's uh, the Conscious Life Expo uh, coming up in September. And then right after that, in Laughlin, Nevada, Star Works with Paula Harris. And I'll see you there, too, as well. So we're going to do back-to-back conferences together. I'm looking forward to it. Beautiful, yeah. We got the uh, the COVID thing. That you need a test to go across. The Americans need a test to go in. Then you have to have a test three days before you come back, which means you fly there and you have to immediately go for another test because you're usually flying back within three days. And then when you get back here, then you need another test once you get here. So it's 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 kind of complex. It may change by the end of the month because we're. I think we're about to have more people vaccinated than the United States in terms of percentage. So it may change. That's why I said hold off for another a couple of weeks and we'll see uh, what's what goes down. But it'll be it'll be exciting to uh, to get together. I think uh, with uh, with you, you same thing that uh, there really has been no conferences. And for a lot of people in the UFO community, that is what it's all about. It's it's because um, a lot of people what you'll find is especially experiencers, they're family really couldn't care less what they do. They're ostracized. They always come to me and say, oh, my husband and wife, my kids won't talk to me or whatever. And I say, get used to it. That's exactly the, the way it's supposed to be. And so a lot of people who go to experiences, that's their family, especially when you see, I don't know if you, how many times you've been to the big Congress is the one that started where they had the, um, the experiences in the back room and they were, they were always complaining. And they said, Oh, this is terrible. They, they don't care about us. We're in the back room and they would have it at eight 30 in the morning because right. the first lecture would be at nine 30 and they didn't, they didn't, nobody wanted to see these people coming in. So they'd have it before anything has started so they could get back out. And they said, they don't care about us. And that's when I said to them, 
um, you got to realize that you're in the Super Bowl of all stories, man. You, you're what it's about. You're the people that are experiencing and talking to the intelligence stuff. And they all sort of sat up straight in their chairs and they went, yeah, yeah, yeah. They sort of realized that, you know, they were complaining. And, but what you see there is, is the first couple of years they had, you know, 20 or 30 people. And then I remember the last time I was there, uh, they were in the back room and then I went and I said, um, I'm going in. They said, it's full. And I said, well, you know, can, can I just stand in the back? And they said, well, there's two rooms full. And there was, there was actually like 150 people the last time. And that was a number of years ago. And these people and they're crying. It's the first time they've ever told their story. And, you know, they, they come there and finally they can tell their story. Nobody's going to laugh at them. And you see that very powerful, um, family atmosphere of people who haven't seen each other. And there's all this hugging and stuff that, um, this is sort of like, our family where we go in there and we people think we're exchanging photographs of um, UFOs and stuff like that. And usually it, it sort of comes down to these philosophical discussions. How does the world work? Is there a God? I mean, you know, what's really going on here? You know, and, and it, I think it's uh, very exciting to to be at these conferences. People don't realize uh, once you go there, uh, it can be pretty addicting in terms of knowing people from all around the world. And people would you know, even make complaint here. They'd say, you don't have any friends. And I'd say, I don't have any friends. I, I may not have any friends around here, but let me tell you, I can go to any state in the United States, almost any country in the world, and I can I can know a number of people who will help me out if I get in trouble. And that's what we we have. We have this worldwide community that that we know people all over the place, and uh, we have this communion in terms of. That's what Willie Strieber is told when when he wanted to call it body pain. He wanted to call the book body pain, and then his wife was channeling in the middle of the night. She said no. It won't be called body pain. It shall be called communion because that's what it is. And that's what it is. It's like this communion that we have, that we meet with each other and we're on the same wavelength and we figure we're doing something valuable. And we're, uh, uh, yeah, to me, it's always, we're in the Super Bowl of all stories. If you understand what's actually going on, uh, we are playing in the Super Bowl, Bowl of all stories. We're in the stadium. We're playing the game. People should realize that. And then when you go to these conferences, you realize these are the people that are in the game with you. And maybe if reincarnation is a fact, we all came into the world to change the world. And we're all working together to raise consciousness or do whatever we're doing. You know, uh, it, it's, it's really funny that you bring up uh, the title of communion. Whitley told me the story uh, last week, and I hadn't really heard it directly from him. But communion would not have been the same book if it was another title. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I'm and, I'm being very serious about that. Very yeah. very serious. And and that's the thing is it it, it comes to attitude. Like uh, Anne had a different attitude than Whitley because Whitley had had that very traumatic start, which I think with a lot of experiences that's what you see. The very first experience they have is very very traumatic. Uh, they're they're in fear. And then once they get regressed, once they get going, it's almost like they become the Messiah. You can't shut them up. I mean, they're suddenly they're running around the world and they, they figure they got this message for the world. But that that is the whole deal. Or the other thing that she brought up was very important was the communion. And the other one was this aspect where they got 200,000 letters after that book went out. And I've talked to a lot of people. You probably have as well. When you mentioned the book communion, they say, I remember the one woman said to me, I was walking in a mall and it was in the front window on a, on a stand. And when I saw the, 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 the photograph on the front cover, I just about dropped my kid. And, and then you see this, if you go to communion to the Amazon, you'll see all these people making comments, the same sort of comments. When I saw that photograph, I knew that I was involved in this. I, I, it triggered something. It was, it was almost like they put it on the cover. I know that the title was was given to them and i even think that the idea of putting that that um uh, alien on the front cover was a triggering event where all sorts of people were triggered and so they got these two hundred thousand letters that came from people all around the world and Anne hired this uh secretary to put all these things together and that's when she came out and made this new revelation where she said whitley whatever we're dealing with it has something to do with death and that's when you see this whole deal. How many people see dead people on board ships and the aliens seem to have some sort of interaction with that world, almost like they're coming from the same world of uh, dead people. And I'll give you an example. I, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ron Johnson. He's a, a big experiencer out of uh, Utah. He's documented 600 pages of his encounters since the 1960s. And he talks about the fact that Elby, um, who is the being that he deals with, actually took him in the spirit world three times. 
And the first time it was sort of a lower level, dark, nothing really happening in there. Second time he was with his mother, but he couldn't see his mother. His mother had died. And the third one, he tells the story where LB takes him into the spirit world and he's with his mother and can actually see his mother. And he says, she's taking me around, take me uh, through a tour of the spirit world. And LB has taken him in there. LB's there, but LB's not in, in, interfering or whatever. And so she takes him and she says, he says, there's this little tiny, like he's a Mormon guy. So he says, there's this little thing. It looks like a temple out of Nephi, Utah. And he says, uh, my mother takes me to this, te this temple building. She said, Ron, when you die, you're going to have a, a, a room in this building. And he said, I walked inside the building and it was like 10 or a hundred times bigger on the inside as it was outside. And I said, Hey, that's exactly what Chris Bussell said. Yep. That's exactly what Terry Lovelace said about the yep. UFO. Yep. Is is that it's the Terry Lovelace said it was like a regular size UFO, and when he went inside, it was the football size of a football stadium inside there. And so I'm thinking, wow, this is this is is the guy having a near death experience, or is he having a, an abduction experience? Because it was like a sort of like an abduction experience. But and then the other thing that he mentioned, which was kind of weird was uh, when he was in this building, she's showing him around this building, and then she says, we sort of levitate, we sort of hover down to the other side of the building, and at the far end of the building, there's this table that has these crystals on the table, and these crystals are coming out of the table. Now, I had written, read Dr. Michael Newton, who did the research on life between life. He did the 7,000 regressions, where he's talking about people in between lives and how they they um, do research for their next life. And they, they have these big books, and they open up the book, and there's this crystal inside the book. And they look at the crystal at a certain angle, and they can see their past lives, and they can plan their future lives, whatever. So when Ron says these crystals, I said, there's crystals coming out of the table? He said, yeah. And you look at it at a certain angle, and you look in there, and you can see your whole life. And his mother said, you haven't got a crystal yet. You, the crystal won't appear until you die, and then you can you can see your you, all the events of your life when you look in this crystal. And he saw his dog's crystal, so he pulled he got the dog's crystal and he looked at it. He said, "I never knew how my dog disappeared." He said, "But when I looked at the crystal, I could see that my neighbor had shot the dog." And then you go to Richard Doty. If you go, the, the I always believe that the government is dropping this stuff inside UFO documentaries. So if you look at the uh, documentary. Um, uh, UFO cover up live 1988. Everybody said there was this terrible cover up, it was terrible documentary. They were it was all scripted and they had this bizarre music, or whatever. Richard Doty is playing the backlit falcon. And in the if you see the, the documentary, he says, The most amazing thing I saw the entire time I was working is the aliens had this crystal and they showed the crystal and you could see things. They could show the crucifixion of Jesus, they could show everything from the past by taking this crystal and you look at the crystal at a certain angle and that's when you start to see all this stuff line up and you're going hey this stuff's all connected all these people are telling these stories but they're all connected when you look at them and so there's this aspect of what i say is all the paranormal phenomena even like you probably interviewed ray hernandez a number of times where he was taken out of his body when he was in on the on the miami freeway and brought up and we're showing this thing about the contact modalities, which I wrote a book on. And that was the idea that it's all the same thing. It's paranormal phenomena, psychic phenomena, remote viewing, uh, uh, death, um, you know, UFOs, quantum physics. And it's all the same thing. Quit parsing this stuff. And in the middle of the connection is consciousness. So that's where you see all these different things that uh, interest me sort of more than the UFOs is the idea that the UFO is an anomaly. And I've had the number, as you probably know, I've had a number of noetic download experiences where they basically uh, told me this thing about you've got all the wrong blocks. You think you've got the right blocks. All your blocks are wrong. In fact, everything you believe, it's exactly the opposite of what you believe. You think you understand what's going on. You have no clue what's going on. And the worst part about it is you're so stupid. You don't understand. You don't know what's going on and you think you know what's going on. And so it's this whole idea that it's this uh, very complex sort of world that is all may have a consciousness uh, uh, bottom to it and that the anomaly says, so if you have a weird phenomena, it's basically just saying to you, one of your blocks is wrong. You used to believe the world was flat. You found that it wasn't flat. You used to believe the, 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 earth, the sun went around the earth. That block was wrong. And you've got some wrong blocks because if, if this stuff was, if, if you had all the right blocks, there would be no anomaly. So that's why UFOs and all paranormal phenomena are so important. They're telling us, Something is wrong with the way you're seeing the world. And once you figure out the anomaly, then you'll understand better how reality works and you'll you'll be able to move along. Yeah, physics and 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 the woo-woo are on a crash course, Grant. They're gonna they're gonna hit, they're gonna hit head on, 
and Neil deGrasse Tyson is going to have a rude awakening. And I, 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 I always said that. I, I look forward to it. They talked about the religious thing. I said, the guys that are going to be fighting for the cyanide pills are the guys that paid $45,000 to go MIT and suddenly realized everything they, basically everything they believed is, is basically uh, not, not the way they thought it was. And, and that's, the, that's the key. I mean, one of the things they gave me sort of like noetically is two lines, very important lines, and they keep repeating these. One was Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein you, said you cannot solve a problem using the same information that you use to create the problem. And um, the the head of American psychology, the, uh, uh, William James, who started uh, the psychology in, in the United States, said, you think you're thinking, you're just actually rearranging your prejudices. And that's where we have to realize that uh, skeptics are basically, I believe, skeptics. Is, skepticism is just left brain interpreter. If you understand the right brain, left brain experiments they did, uh, this idea that it has to fill in the hole. When, when something happens and, and someone sees that there's a, an actual part in the left brain that is there to uh, fill the hole, it immediately makes up garbage. And it's always wrong, according to the research. And, and, and when it's confronted that it's wrong, um, and they did these, do, these split experiments with, with, with people uh, that showed this, when, when they were shown that they were wrong, that um, they, they showed them exactly how it worked, how they were forced to pick up something with their left hand or whatever it was. Uh, the person would get very upset and then very angry. And that basically describes a skeptic. So the, the, that's the thing. I think the, 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 the secular guys who believe that it's just a random world, those are the people I think are going to be in trouble. I think the UFO thing, um, I started in 75. I'm not sure exactly when you started, probably about the same time. But back then, we were sort of the, the oddballs. And basically, what it's going to come down to, Jimmy, is we were right about everything. All the stuff that we believed is going to be end up right. And the, the weird stuff that we still are now being laughed at, that's going to end up being right, too. That it's all going to be the people are reporting exactly what their experiences were. And that's why you have to listen to the experiencers, I think, opposed to watching Lights in the Sky. Because Lights in the Sky will tell you, yeah, there's something going on and it isn't us. Uh, but it's not until you talk to the experiences who are having these very bizarre experiences and interactions that you start to understand what's going on. It, it's actually very simple, Grant. The, the quantum physicists, the astrophysicists, the theoretical physicists want us to digest their research into the multiverse, into parallel worlds, into time travel, into entanglement, uh, uh, 11 dimensions, right? They want, if, if all of that is true, all of their algorithms, all of their math, then everything else comes into play. All of it. It's all, yeah. it's all connected. And yeah. it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. The UFO world. There's no doubt a quantum That's physics right. is to back us up. It was, it was a crazy idea, but then you start to see the more it goes along, right? we become validated more and more as it goes along with all the bizarre quantum physics things that shouldn't be happening. It's the same thing. It's the anomaly. You've got to say, why, why is the dual slit experiment? Why is the observer when, when the, the thing breaks down, when there's an observer, all this kind of stuff. And that's the, the whole thing with, um, you know, with, uh, the, the universe is this idea of the observer effect that, uh, it may not be the physical world we think it is because if it's a physical world, we think it is, they can't get here from there. It's impossible. And so it's either it's not happening or it is happening and we've got it totally messed up as to how it works. But quantum physics is starting to support what, what we're saying. And the, you, that's what people may not realize is when you have UFO lectures that people are talking about quantum physics because they're using it to say, hey, you know, we were right all along. So I think we're, we're moving along. And, and yet, even if we don't figure it out, um, we're still in a situation where. Uh, we're moving along and it's the journey, not so much the destination, because people always I, I get frustrated with the uh, the disclosure thing, especially the UFO disclosure thing, because now we're on this thing about, oh, is the government going to announce disclosure? And it's like, no. I mean, if you've had an experience, I had the experience in 75, where it was right in front of the car. So I've never, ever gotten gone down the road of I got to prove UFOs exist to people. I could care less. I know what's going on. And so you, you have this situation where they're saying we, we need to get the government to confirm that UFOs exist. And I'm going, no, no, no. Like I, this is 47 years. I don't want to go back to grade one for the 47th time. No, let's get beyond the, the <laughs> UFOs exist. And let's get to the next step as to why they're here. What's going on? What does it mean? And uh, I think we're still sort of stalled in this position of, 
of, uh, you know, trying to get somebody to confirm it so we can go to our, our friend or neighbor or parent or whatever and say, I say, I told you I was right. And, and that's what I think people are, are waiting for big brother to sort of validate to them when, um, I don't think it's really going to change. In fact, I was given a message where they said, so what's going to happen if you get disclosure? Are y'all going back to church? And, and that's true. Like, what do you do if suddenly the government stands up and says, okay, it's real. There's uh, intelligence here, uh, whatever uh, they say. I mean, what do you do? Next day, you got to go to work. I, I don't think anything's going to change. The same as in 2017. Remember, we always thought back in the old day that, that the world was going to sort of blow up. The Stephen Greer used to say, oh, the stock market will melt down and people will figure oh, the, all the religions will collapse and people will be jumping out of windows and stuff like that if they find out that uh, the government's got a UFO program and this is for real. And what happened when, the, when they did it? Everybody went, yeah, I knew that already. God, get on to the next thing. It, nobody even reacted when the New York Times did that story because people had been acclimatized. And I think we're now moving to the next stage of acclimatization that there's actually this is real and people want further answers. I don't think people are going to be really shocked. I think it's the secular guys who have st stood their ground to every end to say this is swamp gas, this is whatever. They're still doing a job where they're still in a position where they can deny it. But um, those are the guys I think they're going to be in the worst position. Uh, probably they'll find some way to walk their way out of it. But uh, you can't really convince them. I, I always tell the story where I've, I've worked on Staten Freeman's files. And I went there and I always make the point that we think that we, we need to show this because we need to prove to people that this is for real. And that's not the point because Staten Freeman spent 61 years doing UFOs. And if you take a look at what he did, he argued with Phil Klass. He argued with Menzel and Randy and, and uh, uh, all these guys, uh, this Carl Sagan and stuff like that. And who did he convince? He didn't convince anybody of anything. I mean, basically, he would say, oh, we uh, we lectured at Oxford and 78 percent of the people believe I won the debate. But in terms of did he change Phil Class's mind? No, people have this set thing. That's this idea of the left brain interpreter that once somebody sticks something in there, that's what they said. Once they put this garbage in there and it's always wrong to fill in the hole when there's an anomaly, it's an anomaly and there's a hole in the wall and the, the left brain wants things normal. It's like, no, no, no. What, what are you talking about? There's aliens and stuff. And it immediately says, oh, it's a it's this or it's that. And then that's when they said it does not change its mind. It will never change its mind. And that's why skeptics, you can see these skeptics go their whole life and you can never, ever. They'll just it's like I, I'm a good thinker on my feet. But basically what they're using is left brain that I can come up with 40 alternate explanations to what you do. And if you answer this, I've got another explanation. That's left brain interpreter. It's a part of the left brain that that has actually been studied. And that's where skepticism comes from. Yeah. And the other the other part of that is once you when when somebody is set, you know, from birth and it doesn't matter if it's religion or whatever it is, they have a set belief system. The more evidence that you push at them, yeah. the more that it strengthens their resolve. Yeah. You're not going to get somebody to change their mind. Yeah, it's, people it's, actually go farther in their corners. Yeah. The only thing that that's where the the only thing that really changes it is experience. So people will say, you know, I don't believe that. And I'll say, okay, repeat that really slowly. And then they'll go, I don't believe that. I said, emphasis on the word believe. You believe. The only way you can really know is to have the experience. Who cares what you believe? Put on a put on a suit and go to church. I could care less what you believe. And that's what people are doing. They think that my belief that uh, my belief trumps your evidence. Or that they'll say, oh, experiencers. That's okay, right. Experiencers just, they, they think. I know you think. No, it's the opposite. The experiencer knows it's the critic on the outside who hasn't had the experience who's actually the believer. And and it's, they've got it completely backwards. Only the experiencer, the person. And you'll see that's what happens with UFO experiences. When people have them or have the psychedelic experience or the out-of-body experience or whatever, they go, Oh my goodness, I realized I, my ego was crushed. I was, and I realized everything was alive, conscious, and one. You're not going to get that unless you got an experience. And then you see people absolutely flip from one side to the other. But it, convincing them uh, with logic, uh, I don't think it worked. I mean, Staten Freeman proved it 61 years. And uh, that's what I noticed when I was there. I'm going, like, man, he didn't convince anybody of anything. He was, he was basically uh, sort of uh, having these debates, but. 
the experience, the people who've had the experience are the ones that are, are shifted. And you'll see this, you know, with psychedelics where 73% come, come out with a high dose psilocybin and they're no longer atheists. And, and you get these kind of things where people are just flipped from one side to the other, where they suddenly realize like, oh my goodness, I mean, I had no clue what's going on. And that's what the anomalies show us is you really don't know what's going on. Or when, when I, as, as, uh, sum up ufos i say it's going to be a lot less physical than people think it is it's going to be a lot more spiritual than people think it is and it's going to be at least a thousand times more complex than people think it is people think they've got this thing under understood and the more you probably know the more you look at the ufo thing the weirder it gets the more complex it gets and the more magnificent it appears as to what these what this whole thing is about and we haven't got a clue as to what's going on have you um uh have you flip-flopped since 1975 Oh, I, I had no, I always tell the story. I never had any intention. I had no interest in UFOs. Um, in fact, I, I was raised very religious and I sort of believe that, you know, religions may, or stuff may have happened in the Bible, but there are no miracles. And I, I, I always describe it. I, I said, I bought the lottery ticket knowing there's a chance I could win, that I would see something when I went out there, but I'm not going to see anything. Everybody is going to see something. I'm not going to see anything. I could not believe it because we were out there and we were looking around. What are they looking at? What's people, what are they uh, looking at? And when it came, nobody said, is that what they're looking at? I wonder if that's what they're looking at. Everybody went, there it is. It was just, and I went, oh my God, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It was like, I'd won the lottery. I'd seen a miracle. It was like, wow, wow. It was just so dramatic. I just, I just flipped on, and, and none of the stuff that I did. When I had the consciousness download, when I was watching Colin Andrews give that lecture, I had no interest in being in that lecture. I had no interest in crop circles. And again, it was like when this thing came into my head and said very clearly, put these pieces together and said, this is the base of this thing. The answer to this whole thing is consciousness. I couldn't think for two days. I was just like, wow. And almost every move I've made, I've been dragged into it. I've been flipped. I really didn't decide to do any of the stuff I did. Let's take our break right here, Grant. We've got a lot to discuss tonight. This is Fade to Black. I am your host, Jimmy Church. Tonight, Grant Cameron. We're going to go through everything. Now, Grant, when we come back after the break, I want to jump straight into the UAP Task Force report. I want your take on all of that, and we'll get to everything else. All of this tonight on Fade to Black with Grant Cameron. I'm your host, Jimmy Church. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back. Fade to Black. I am your host, Jimmy Church. Tonight, Grant Cameron is here. Tomorrow night, Debbie Cobble. Thursday night, Ross Colthart. What a great week on the show. Tonight, it's all about Grant. And, and Grant, I mentioned right before the break, you know, much anticipated, lots of uh, emotion, everything in the big buildup uh, to the UAP Task Force report released on June 25th. You've had a little bit of time now, a couple of weeks, to uh, to digest it and take it all in. What are your thoughts? Um, absolutely no surprises. Um, I've written five books on this subject of the disclosure, of the leaking of material from the government. And um, it's like a repeat of <laughs> so many times before they've done it. And I, it was a funny incident. I, I was promoting a book on Coast to Coast. This is in 2016. It was UFOs, Area 51 and Government Informants. And I was on the first two hours and Chris Mellon was on the third hour. And I remember I was talking about, oh, the government's leaking this stuff and they're they're indirectly, there's people inside the government who are pushing this stuff out or whatever. And then so then Mellon came on the third hour and George says to him, says, so what do you think about what Grant says? He says, nah. I would have known. I would have known. If the government had a UFO program, I would have known. And a year later, Lou Elizondo resigns October the 4th in the morning. In the afternoon, there's Chris Mellon and and uh, Hell Put Off and all these guys in a meeting in, in Pentagon City. And they're basically spelling out the story to the New York Times for three hours, showing them videos and, and this whole thing. So to me, it's always, it's this orchestrated thing. This has been going on. This is not the first rodeo. It's been going on time over time after time. And they, they get these people. It was before before Lou, it was uh, Tom DeLong, and he went down. Before him, it was Stephen Greer. People don't realize that Stephen Greer, when he first came out, he was walking on water. Everybody thought he was the Messiah. And before him was Bill Moore, and before him was Bob Emenager, and the Disney in the 1950s. And this is just over and over and over again. So I really wasn't that surprised. And um, I, I sort of saw it the way Danny Sheehan was describing it before it came. And I think he's probably changed his mind a bit, but he called it a nothing burger. 
And I basically said, I mean, they are they are not going to put out the the the, the key stuff. Uh, this is the last thing that the the intelligence wants to do because I actually did interviews three years ago. And what I we, we were doing interviews, I was doing interviews with Melinda Leslie, who was talking to Jim Semivan. She's the only one that talks to Jim Semivan. And these interviews are on my YouTube channel where Jim Semivan says to her, we're going after Congress and we're going to get them to move this issue forward and get hearings and get funding and stuff like that. And she said to him, she said, hey, Jim, so it, what, what could I do to you that would really get you upset that you would never talk to me again? And he said, mess with the money. So I knew three years ago, we've had these interviews over and over again, that this is what they were doing. They were moving in there and they're, they're going to, they, they use the fear thing. They use, uh, you know, they got to sell a thing inside Congress. They're going to get the money. And then, so I was not surprised when they suddenly, it was, it was announced while well, they've, they've got this and they're going to get the Pentagon to do this study and it moved. Then it's Elizondo and everybody else leaves TTSA. And I go, well, that makes sense. And he said, we're going into second gear. And this is, it's like, it's been planned. There are, I, I've always believed that there are people inside the government, like help put off, like people who are trying to push it out. And there are people who are trying to stop it. And uh, the, the people on the inside that want it out have learned a little bit better. So this version of, of the disclosure thing is a little more, I say it's, it's like uh, uh, disclosure on steroids. So we had the, the version of Bill Moore and we had all these other uh, situations. But we, and this is, I always point out, one of the most, inter, most, most important interviews on disclosure that was ever done was done by you in 2016 with Tom DeLong. People need to listen to that interview, how that worked. This all started with Tom DeLong. Tom DeLong tells a story that he was contacted to give this uh, speech at Lockheed Skunk Works. Then he's taken into the skiff. People think Tom DeLong had this phone phone book and he phoned up all these people. He didn't do any such thing. He was brought in the same as Bill Moore. He they, they he said to them, he made this pitch. Oh, we need this disclosure. I can get this thing out. And the one guy, if you remember, I think it was on your your interview where the one guy says to him, hey, this may actually work. And then two weeks later, he gets the phone call. Hey, go to Washington. We need you to meet in Washington. He goes and he's these two guys in behind this desk sitting in this room and in Pentagon City, the same place where the Lou Elizondo meeting, the same area of town. And the, the guy says, this does not happen on the Hill. This does not happen at the White House. This happens when people behind a table like this decide to take the football and move it down the field. And then they send it to NASA. NASA sends them to Ames. Ames sends them to Space Command, and he meets with McKay. And then he goes to Wright-Patterson, and he meets with uh, uh, McCaslin. And then he gets Robert Weiss. To, they they, they put, give him Robert Weiss, and they give him all these people. So it's the same same sort of story. And they're, they're, it's people, I believe, on the inside who are trying to push it out, who are trying to get funding for uh, UFO research or, or whatever it is. Uh, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm always a little bit upset about the threat thing. I, I, cause I, I can give you, I'll give you an example in a second, but I'm, I'm always worried about, are we going to start another war? Is this what this is about? If you get the military, um, Eisenhower stood up, said, beware the military industrial congressional complex. That was the original speech. They took congressional out of the speech. And that was this idea that once you get Congress involved and everybody's getting jobs and everybody's got people in there, uh, like the F-35 jet fighter made in 46 different states, because nobody's going to vote against it. If you've got people hired in your district, that are working on it. You're, if it the cost overruns, nobody's going to say anything. Right. And that's so. That's what I always saw. It was this movement. Uh, but what I say, uh, it, it's working good. I think they're they're moving it along. And I'm most happy that Danny Sheehan is involved. I, I trust Danny Sheehan implicitly, and I think that if Danny Sheehan's on the on the on our team, we could actually win for the first time. I think we can actually win. But w one of the things that um, sort of um, upset me is that what have we actually learned after this report that we didn't know before? We have literally learned nothing. All we've learned now is that Congress has been briefed. And then you say, well, what did they, what would they brief them on? Can't tell you. No secret. So we got another level of secrecy. We got the, 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 the congressional guys. And even you, we were talking to Lou Alzando last night and I had to laugh when you said, Hey, the report's what? 400 pages. I thought it was 74 pages. And it's like, well, no, it's like, and or you know, it was Danny Sheehan that said right. it was 400 it was Danny. pages, and he said yeah. it was 74. I mean, if we can't even figure out how many pages there are, I mean, what are we really being told? I mean, what's classified about how many pages are in the in the classified report? Classified is supposed to be sources and methods. I mean, what are they using a special way to count paper or something? I mean, this is crazy. We're not learning anything. We're just we're just going along with this thing where we're being told, yeah, yeah, there's something happening, and they're they're moving this thing along. 
long. But in terms of what we got, we really didn't get anything that we didn't already know. And and I would say that what's what's happened is that because Semivan and people like that pushed the Mellon and Semivan particularly pushed Congress into this position where they asked for the report. The Pentagon didn't want to do this report. This is the last report in the world they wanted to do. I mean, they had this thing all covered up and and they were forced to do the report. So they gave the least amount of material that they could in terms of what they had. Now, I think uh, from what I heard from Jim, um, from uh, James Fox, he had talked to Podesta and Podesta is talking to Biden. So I think that's what you need is you need the green light from the president to put pressure on the the the, the Pentagon to play ball. Because if, if he's putting it on, then they have to do something. And I think you've got an indication that something has happened because uh, you suddenly have the director of NASA who suddenly stands up and says, oh, we should investigate UFOs. I remember in the Carter administration, the, the idea with the president is the president can't touch the subject, but he can make moves. And Jimmy Carter had sent his press secretary, he says science advisor, down to NASA to do another Blue Book study. And they said, no, you cut our budget by $5 billion. We're not going to, we're not doing any, we haven't got the money for this. If you've got metal, we'll look at the metal. And they would refuse to do the study. So when you have NASA step forward and say, oh, we should investigate UFOs, number one, it indicates that there's a green light from, the, from and I've actually filed an FOI to find out if this is true, if the science advisor office, because that's where Pedesta said it should be, should be in the OSTP, which is where the Rockefeller Initiative took place. And, and he's advised Biden to put it into that office. Right now, it's in the armed services, which means weapons. Uh, I think it should be in the science aspect. But the, the other thing that it, it shows is the, the uh, fact that uh, Tom DeLong was right all along, that Tom DeLong is much more important. The Hillary Clinton, Tom DeLong, Podesta thing. Because if you go back to the WikiLeaks emails, you'll see a memo that was written that Tom DeLong reads to John gives to John Podesta, and that is McCaslin, two-star general at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, who actually says, when disclosure happens, this is what you should do. And one of the things he says, you should give it to NASA to run. You need a, a somebody, it's in their job jar, otherwise nobody's going to do anything. And so I was not surprised when suddenly, oh, now suddenly the director of NASA says, oh, we should be, be looking at UFOs. You see that this thing is moving along at a pretty good clip. But in terms of what are we actually going to learn? So when this report, I already knew that there was really nothing of significance going to come out of the report. I said the most important thing is not, again, does the government know? Is the government going to, Big Brother going to tell us UFOs exist? That doesn't change anything. I had I had the the uh, post-game show where I had all the experiences. I said, okay, the government's going to tell you nothing. But here, let's get all the experiencers on and let's put them on and they'll tell you what the other side is saying. Because there's a disclosure not only by the government, the, the alien intelligence or whatever this is, is disclosing as well. They're opening themselves up. Why do UFOs have lights on them? They have lights so you can see them. They want you to see them. They're, they're playing the disclosure game as well. And so I said, let's put the ex dis experiencers on right after. So that evening I had the experiencers and said, okay, this is what the other side is saying. But that's what you're not going to see. If there's, even if there's congressional hearings, uh, what shocked me is you're, you're not going to see any experiencers go on. Like you know, Tomorrow you've got Debbie Cobble on. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, uh, the New York Times said it, we're not talking aliens. Don't use the word alien. We're not using the word alien. We're just talking about uh, uh, threats and UFO sightings and stuff like that. And the experiencers are going to be ostracized. They're going to be left out of the process. They're not going to be brought in front of Congress. We're, we're just looking at technology. We're looking at UFO sightings. We're looking at potential threats, national security, all this kind of stuff. And I say you've got to listen to the experiencers because they're the ones that are, that are actually. So that's what I did. I actually had the experiencers tell what, what the other side is doing. And you, you have people like, like Debbie that you're going to have on tomorrow that the idea is, and I was shocked when we had a panel and actually a, a top prominent UFO researcher said the experiencers should step down. They should stop talking because they're going to destroy disclosure. This is a, you know, a knife in disclosure. It's like these crazy people with their stories about aliens. We don't want this stuff. We want to keep it. And as soon as they say, well, ETs exist, uh, well, then they can start talking. And I was just horrified that we're going to, I mean, it's like, if you're an experiencer, then it's like, you better shut up. We, we got a cross and we got some nails here. And if you keep talking, we're going to use it. And that, that, that's the part that annoys me is that the experiencer is going to be cut out of this thing. Nobody wants to talk aliens. Nobody wants to talk to the experiencers. What are the, the things doing here? It's all about technology. It's all about uh, threat and this sort of stuff. 
and it's a very materialistic uh, paradigm. And I feel very sorry for the experiencers who will actually tell you what's actually going on. Now, what about uh, the the other part of the movement? The, the certainly the newer side of this, and I talked about this in the opening of the show. Um, that came into this after uh, December of 2017. Yeah. And and they thought that this was going to be an instant gratification, that we were going to go straight to disclosure. Uh, they had TTSA, they had Tom DeLong, they had all of the, you know, but to them, this was uh, an interest that was brand new. They don't know about the past. And yeah. suddenly, in, in a very short time, you go straight to this UAP task force and their report, and they were expecting this report to say that ET is real, we've made contact, and it wasn't in the report. Does that take the wind out of the sails for everybody that came in here? Are they going to hang out with us and keep the energy level up, or are they going to lose focus? No, I think this thing keeps moving. I mean, they've got a plan. Lou Elizondo, if you listen to him carefully, he says this all the time. It's like now he even said someone we had a panel and someone said he had brought up third third gear. I mean, this is all, I think, planned that they know where to go next. They um, you you got to remember, Jim Semivan was part of this thing. So was Mellon. These guys have worked inside Congress. They know how to move this thing along. They know how to how to uh, move people to. Uh, vote in a certain position. So these people may be a little disappointed now. Welcome to ufology. I mean, we've been waiting right. 50, 50 years for this, to, or 75 years for this to happen. It moves very slowly. But if you start looking, I always said, one of the things that we should do is listen to the very important people. So you listen to Elizondo, you listen to Mellon, you you tra get the transcripts, you listen to Jim Semivan, you listen to uh, Pandolfi, Kit Green, all these people. you got to listen very carefully. And if you listen to them carefully, you'll see a, a lot of the things that pop up that indicate, well, this may have happened. One of the examples I'll give you is Bob Bigelow. Whatever you think about Bob Bigelow, you should listen to what Bob Bigelow says, because Bob Bigelow in 2013, uh, this was what, just after he had the, the, the program with the uh, with running this program, and he's running another program now, which I'll point out, which nobody wants to pick up. But anyway, he, um, he, George said, are you in favor of disclosure? This is 2013. And Bob Bigelow said, no, I'm not in favor of disclosure. I'm in favor of uh, um confirmation you need to get confirmation first then you can go down the road and start talking about disclosure and aliens and stuff that's exactly what they've done he said that and it's almost like this is part of the plan that they've seen the plan that you move one step at a time don't move too fast you even see this with the with with the people talking like don't bring this up don't bring this up uh, as if they're moving it step by step and even uh, the last conversation that leslie had uh leslie uh melinda leslie had with um Jim Semivan, he said, uh, you're going to see this report. It's going to be, it's going to have this stuff in it, basically describe what was going to happen. And he said, uh, and she asked him, of course, about the, uh, you know, the abduction and all this kind of stuff. And he said, the third rail will come up and they call it the third rail. So this will come, but it's going to come in time. So once we get sort of a, an announcement that this thing is for real, then people are going to go, okay, so what's going on? And where I disagree with a lot of people is I say that, like a lot of people are saying, oh, they're going to announce ET. I'm saying if you listen carefully to the very top people, whether it's Obama, what Obama said, what Trump said, uh, what Lou Elizondo has said, yes. It, or I'll, I, I can talk about, I got the Johnson study, eyes only study for President Johnson. I've got the file as to what happened there. It's always the same thing. Yes, UFOs exist. This is what they're telling you. Everybody's telling you the same thing. Yes, UFOs exist, and we don't know what it is. I believe that to be true. Everybody's saying, no, this is obviously E.T. And I say, okay, if it's obviously E.T., let's go back to 1895. And we had all these ships. And some people say there was 10,000 sightings in the United States of these airships. Wooden ships with propellers and sails on them and these big lights that they would need these batteries that we didn't have at the time. And they were flying around the western United States. And people would talk to them and say, so where are you from? And they say, we're from Mars. So are they from Mars? Are they ET? Were those alien? Were those guys flying around in 1895, 86 uh, ET, uh, ETs? The same thing as you go from 1950. Uh, I looked at all the sightings before um, Nancy Tremaine, who was actually before Betty and Barney Hill two months before. If you look before them, what you see is, oh, we're from Mars, we're from Venus, we're from the moon. Nobody believes that anymore. I remember the Canadians were in contact with an alien by the name of AFA, and I remember the metallurgist who was involved in this said, let me, let me make something very clear, Grant. 
Neither Wilbur Smith or I ever believed that Afa was from Uranus. We never believed that. And it was the whole idea. So are they actually ETs? And you go back and you see this reflection of, of who we are. In the 1890s, there were human-type beings. Then you, you, you look, and before uh, Nancy Tremaine, if you look at all the humanoid sightings from, 50, from 47 through to 61, you'll see I probably 20% at least of the beings that were seen had helmets on glass helmets and with hoses a lot of them had hoses coming out of the back of the helmet well that's basically 1950 movies and cartoons and i think they're reflecting what we are i think they do not know if this is is et and the example i've, I've brought up and nobody wants to go there and and this is the whole idea if you if you've interviewed jim um jim peniston you can ask him about this uh you know that um Kit Green and Nolan were running around trying to get DNA and, 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 and MRIs from the experiencers, trying to have this idea about uh, the military guys, how do these have people make contact, people being injured, this sort of stuff. And they went to Peniston, and, and Peniston said, wow, I'm not Burroughs, you know, I'm not going to roll over like Burroughs. Uh, I want to know, Kit, what, what the heck's going on? What are you doing? And he says, well, it's, it's kind of like propulsion. He said, well, come on. Do you think I'm stupid? It's not propulsion. What are you doing? Propulsion. He said, well, maybe I'm using the, war the wrong word. We're trying to figure out how does the phenomena pop in and pop out as quickly. We're trying to figure out how does it move interdimensionally. So then Peniston says, are you working for the government? And he goes, well, yeah. Uh, and he said, well, how many? Eight guys. And he said, it's the Defense Department. Yeah. And Bigelow has the contract. So here you have this idea. And then you see... Uh, the guy from the Politico, uh, Brian, um, whatever's Bender. Uh, yeah, Bender. You see that he writes that there was a defense program that looked at the interdimensional aspect of the ET phenomena, that maybe they are from right here, but a different right here. Or if you see Lou Elizondo's interview that he did with Debrief, they say, okay, is it is it on-world or off-world? And he goes, hang on. That's that's not the only two options. And he starts down this rabbit hole about, you know, quantum physics and all this kind of stuff. And I remember the experiencer, Yossi Ronan, who had been told this. He'd been given this by these beings. He wrote a book called One, the main message that they're trying to get across. Right. And he said, he contacts me, he said, do you hear what Lou Elizondo said? I said, yeah, I heard it. We did a podcast. We played this thing and we had the same thing. And it's this idea. Don't assume this thing is ET because that's the question they ask him. Is it ET? And he's saying, well, no. And you'll hear if you listen very carefully to these guys, they say, no, we don't know what it is. Lou says, we don't know what it is. And it's not that we don't know the UFOs. Yeah, we have bodies, we have crafts. But unless the alien has a Zeta reticular passport, how do you know it's from another planet? That's where I think the thing. So people are waiting for an ET disclosure. I don't think they're going to go there because I think that they understand that this thing is popping in and it's popping out. And um, you, especially the stuff we got from, from Kit Green that leaked out. Uh, the, the, there's a woman that she was dealing with, Kay Randall May. Uh, this tape leaked out of T Kit talking to her. And he said, who are we dealing with? And she says, oh, there's this, 12th, there's this portal off the coast of California. And she starts talking about all this stuff. And that is really weird stuff. This is, gets into portals. It gets into all this kind of stuff. And it's, that's why I say it's a thousand times more complex than people think it is. I don't think the government can go there. That's where I think think the stumbling block is they really don't know what they're up against they have they have crafts yes they can't fly them because they need a consciousness interface they can't fly them and and the idea is that you have you can have all the hardware you want it's like dropping a, a cell phone to leonardo da vinci unless you know uh, how this thing works it's not that simple and i think they know this is for real and that's what the the result i got when uh, I did, I got the material from the eyes only study done for President Johnson. People always say, oh, the president doesn't know what's going on. And it's like, give your head a shake. The president can't get whatever he wants. And James McDonald, and you, you're talking to Ross on Thursday. Right. Ross talks about this. One of the witnesses from the, the school case in, um, in Australia, this in the grade nine teacher, was confronted and threatened. But a year later, he says he was contacted by the White House, by a guy representing the White House, which was James McDonald, who was on the, the congressional hearing. He was this professor from University of Arizona, and uh, he was friends with President Johnson. And he was he was going after President Johnson. And Johnson said to the guy that wrote the report, whose name is Frank Rand, he said, get that be off my neck. Tell him you're working on this problem and we need to get rid of this guy. And he did a study. They did a study that had all the top people, Lockheed Skunk Works, head of Lockheed Skunk Works, uh, three-star general from Wright Patterson Air Force Base, all the same positions that Tom DeLonge had. Exactly. Like, 
almost like a carbon copy. And and what they did was they had a nine month study, eight of the top people, CIA head of uh, the weird desk at CIA, all these guys. And what they came up with was exactly what you're hearing now from the government. Yes, this is for real. And we really don't know what it is for sure. I've only got about uh, two minutes before the break, Grant. I wanted to ask you this. Were you surprised about the lack of CIA participation in the UAP task force report? Well, that's what I'm saying. This was, this was forced to the Defense Department, so CIA is not part. Everybody's running for the—I'm sure everybody's running for the hills. Everybody's trying to cover up as fast as they can uh, to stay out of the— the light of this thing, because this thing has sort of exploded in their face. This is the last thing they want to do. So they're not going to drag the CIA in. Um, you, and, and what I would think that the CIA is going to do is they, they start dropping like, you know, uh, Dolan gets some leak of um, stuff from the classified material. I think that's what the CIA role might be is to throw mud in the water to try to muddy it up. But it, this is basically just a request made to the intelligence. Uh, half the uh, Elizondo says half the people weren't even talked to. Uh, it, it, that's why you need the president to move in and put pressure to get this uh, properly. The one weird thing that I found was that on the day of the release, I actually got my FOA release that I I'd filed. As soon as the, um, the, uh, it was announced that the ATIP program existed, I actually got the guy who asked Hillary Clinton the question. He was a reporter in, in New Hampshire. I said, come on, let's file FOAs. First come, first serve. And the day that the report was released, I got an FOA back and so did somebody else. Almost like somebody's behind the scenes is putting pressure. So I have... A lot of optimism that there's um, so many people are going to put and they really can't cover it up anymore. And the, the, the bottom line is Danny Sheehan is going is not going to walk away without this thing solved. Uh, they have no idea who they're up against. Uh, Danny Sheehan is not going to let go. He knows where the bodies are buried. He knows how it works. They're not going to walk around him. He's even been able to get them all to work together instead of having three different reports. And now I've heard there's another report. So you're starting to see this catalog. There's been another complaint filed. I'm doing the interview with the guy on Saturday, and now we've got a new option. So if you've been offended by this thing, you can actually file a complaint and go and force these people to do these investigations. This is much more powerful than FOIAs. But Danny is on the inside now, and I think with Danny there, we could very well win this. Let's take our break right here. Our guest tonight, Grant Cameron. Now, Grant, you mentioned right before the break, you said... Bob Bigelow has a new project. I'm going to ask Grant about that when we return. This is Fade to Black. I'm your host, Jimmy Church, on the Game Changer Network and KGRA, The Planet. We'll be right back. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.